Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. And welcome, everybody. You are now listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents. We're coming to you live from the Rome of the West in St. Louis, Missouri. My name is Matt Logman in studio today with Sean Miller, DRE, who is the Director of Religious Education at Immaculate Heart of Mary in New Melly. Welcome to the program, Sean. Glad to be here. Awesome. And why don't you get us started off with a prayer? Because I know I need it. Okay, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, we ask you that you would anoint and stir within us, and all who hear these words, your Holy Spirit. Give to this conversation what you gave at Pentecost, the ability to speak and to hear in a language that will echo in hearts and minds, wherever we are at in life, whether close or far away from you. Help us all to be a light in your light, shining through the darkness, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, Sean, I hear there's a lot to get through, and it might be a two-part series. Just warning you folks in advance, precepts of the church and why we need to follow those precepts. Right. So last time we got together, I uh, talked about, I'd like to teach in in, uh, memory aid. So I have a memory aid to kind of help give a takeaway for the precepts of the church. You know, like my role at the parish is um, I'm a director of religious education. I'm not in the titles as such, but really what a director is supposed to do is point. So I like to point to the power, the PowerPointer. I like to use PowerPoints, but I look at it like John the Baptist. You have to try to point to the Lamb of God. He must increase and uh, I must decrease. So in terms of pointing, you know, as we point up to the heavens, uh, we got a family prayer that we say frequently together. It's Colossians 3 that we got to set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. It's not that we're not focused on what we're doing on this earth, but we got to say, you know, what's my destiny? What's my goal? What's my purpose? So Treasures. I like yeah. Yeah. So, like, I got to say, every day that I live, <clears throat> I've got to try and take the core of the faith that we believe in and try and live that as my goal. So like last time when we gathered, I had said, look at the two big texts that the Lord gives in the Gospel of Matthew. You know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the great and first commandment, and the second like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then you go to the end of the Gospel, right? Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So... I put that in a memory aid called Spire. So I hate to pull one on the Holy Spirit, but that talk was inspired. So S-P-I-R-E, spiritual, physical, intellectual, relational, evangelical. And the word was also fitting because, you know, what is a spire, right? You think about a cathedral, it points up. So I got to ask myself, you know, every day, this is a great way to kind of just start your day off, uh, you know, list out, what am I going to do this day in these areas, to love God with all my heart, soul, and strength, and love my neighbor as myself. 
spiritually, physically, intellectually, relationally, and evangelically. And that last one is the hardest because to say, I'm a walking billboard for the faith, whether I realize it or not. So in thought, word, or deed, how am I trying to witness, spread the faith in some way, shape, or form? So if you're saying that if people know you're Catholic, and I'm talking to you, brothers and sisters, you're under the microscope <laughs> because we are being attacked and they like us when we make mistakes. Right. But be that as it may, sinners that we are, it's just like saying, Lord, use me this day. And that's why, you know, when we, we really got to live. You think about the prayer of the Holy Spirit we gave there at the beginning. We, we're in the age of the Spirit. We are to live in the Spirit. We got to realize that it's the air we breathe, the water that we drink. It's the life that we live so that we are a walking vessel. So help us, God. So I always tell my kids, whoever, do your best, sinner that you are, imperfect that you are, to just be in the stream of grace. You know, because that's how the Lord is going to use you. So um, this time to kind of, we want to move on. That's kind of a general plan. But like one of the things I do at the parish is I teach RCIA. And um, and this is really something good for anybody that's a teacher of RCA, any catechist. You think about, okay, what does it mean to minimally live at the core, Catholicism 101, to be a practicing Catholic? So... We say these are the, the, the precepts of the church. I'm going to go on this acronym called STREAMS, which breaks it down. But like the word SPIRE, the word in itself kind of, you know, is il, um, illustrative of, of what I was trying to communicate last year. So STREAMS, you think about the streams of living water, the streams of life. We, we want to be in that stream of grace. So it's kind of like, the, you know, one of the um, images of the Holy Spirit is water. So you think, I want to have, if you don't have water, you die, you know? So like, we also want to be in the, in the stream of living water, uh, you know, to kind of help be this light to the world. So there's a great text in the catechism. It's, it's 2652. It says that the Holy Spirit is, is a living water welling up to eternal life. And it says that there are several wellsprings where Christ awaits us to enable us to drink of the Holy Spirit. And it gives two main fonts, you know, which is the word of God, scripture, as well as the liturgy of the church, the sacraments, and so forth. So, like, that's going to be where we're going to really tap in to the Holy Spirit. And I thought it was fitting to kind of get into about these streams. You think about what the Lord said to the woman at the well, you know, about I'm going to give you this these streams of water, these this, this drink that will never be, you know, quenched. Once you have this, you got it all. So my goal today is just to highlight um, from those two fonts to kind of point to living a life in the Spirit through these basic core precepts of the church. All right, let's get it on. So first, uh, a little story. Um, so I was over in the Holy Land years ago, and uh, <clears throat> lo and behold, we were at the Jordan River, and uh, it was kind of a weird thing, but this uh, guy that had a few too many in the local Israeli bar walks down to the river, and uh, they were ba- baptizing at the time. So I don't know if you've ever been over there, heard of it, but they baptize people at the Jordan River. And so wanting to see what was going on, uh, this man proceeded to make his way into the water and he stands next to this preacher. And uh, so he's there kind of wobbling and the minister notices the man and he notices he's had a few too many. He says, mister, are you here ready to find Jesus? And the man looks back and says, well, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I am. So he says, okay, let's do it. So the minister dunks the fellow onto the water, pulls him right back up. He says, have you found Jesus? The man says, uh, no, no I, no, I didn't. The preacher then dunks him under for a few more seconds and brings him up and says, now, brother, have you found Jesus? And no, no, I still have not yet, Reverend. 
The minister, in disgust, then holds a man under for at least 30 seconds this time, brings him out of the water and says in a harsh tone, My heavens, man, have you found Jesus yet? The drunk man wiped his eyes and says to the preacher, Are you sure this is where he fell in? <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, goofy joke. But the goal is this. Um, it's kind of a setup to say, really, we're all looking for Jesus, right? And it begins that we it starts in the gift of baptism, right? Living water. So there's a great uh, psalm there that to start us off. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. So this is a great text talks about, you know, if you want to be blessed, you got to be in the law of the Lord to meditate on its law day and night. I mean, how many of us think about, you know, like, well, when you think about the law of the Lord, we think about, well, what Jesus said about the commandments, you know, he who loves me follows me and follows my commandments. But how many of us ever really think about the law of the Lord and the precepts of the church? Like, what what are we really asked to do kind of in in summary form? So you got commandments, you got conscience, you got natural law, and, and then you also got these, these precepts, these rules. So what I did is I put them in the acronym STREAMS here, and then I'll, I'll kind of go through them individually. But just a brief overview, this is like a little cadence, and... Uh, so it's Sunday Mass and Holy Days, tithe to God in various ways, renew your life in sacramental grace, evangelize, make the world a holy place, abstain and do penance, especially Fridays, marriage laws protect vows, God's way, study, know the faith, study, defend the faith, study, share the faith. So those seven precepts we're going to kind of look through as we gather today. Sound good? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so... Well, first of all, what is a precept? It's a general rule or direction, often with some religious basis, intended to guide and regulate actions or behavior. We have them all the time in family life, in civil life, etc. So the Catholic Church is what's called a code of canon law. It's a, it's a law that governs the universal church. It's got about 1,750 laws. And in this, it's got only a few uh, precepts, which you can say are the church's house rules. So from time to time, the church is listed the certain specific minimum duties of Catholics, which are the basic recipe for spiritual health. So in, uh, in, in the Catechism 2041, it says, the obligatory character of these positive laws decreed by the pastoral authorities is meant to guarantee to the faithful the very necessary minimum in the spirit of prayer and moral effort in the growth in love of God and in neighbor. To be a good practicing Catholic, it means at minimum to <laughs> obey these rules and believe what the church teaches. So you think about like in your daily life, um, what is necessary to sustain physical life? You got to have kind of a minimum <laughs> amount of, of calorie intake. Caloric intake, right. <laughs> right. So if you want to live and breathe and move, you got to have a certain thing. So in a sense, really to live a spiritual life, uh, you can be alive, but you can be a dead man walking spiritually if you're not at least observing and striving to live out these precepts. Now, it's interesting when you, when you look back to the New Testament and after the Lord you know, lived and died and rose and so forth, and he commissions the apostles to go forth. Uh, so they're preaching in Acts chapter 2. You see this great uh, sermon of Peter at Pentecost, and he says, Now when they heard Peter's preaching, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Like, okay, I heard the word. I got to repent, change my life, come to the Lord. Now what do we do? 
So since ancient times, um, people who hear the successors of Peter and the apostles, they instinctively ask, what shall we do? So throughout the centuries, the church has given answers to this question, and they've adapted the uh, unchangeable elements of the Christian vocation to the pastoral requirements of the current age. So in our own day, the core responses to this question is the precepts of the church. And again, just to, just to review, um, you know, when the Lord took the apostles up to Caesarea Philippi and he asked them, who do you say that I am? You know, we all know the response. It's a great Catholic text where he says, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so Jesus says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. That's authority. No pressure. <laughs> right. It's authority for him and his successors all time. So now uh, you can look up the catechism what that all means, but basically this power to bind and loose, it's massive. And it connotes the authority to absolve sins, to pronounce doctrinal judgments, and to make disciplinary decisions in the church. So we believe the church still governs in that way for the sake of the body of Christ, which is the church. So, so from that authority to Peter, the popes as successors, it also extends to the apostles and then their successors, the bishops. So you think you got your local bishop as well as you got your group of bishops. You think about the four bishops in the state of, of uh, Missouri here, you know, Bishop Rosansky, Sean McKnight, Bishop James Johnson, Bishop Edward Rice. So these are like the bishops of the state, but you've also got these, the United States Council of Catholic Bishops, and you have these other local bishops conferences, and sometimes they gather and they kind of set up certain, you know, authoritative decrees. And so if you look at the catechism of the Catholic Church, in sections like 2041 to 2043, it mentions like these universal precepts. And there's five that are listed there, right? So those are kind of like the precepts for the universal church. And then when you, when you read through all of those, at the bottom, it's got this little footnote there, and it says, uh, furthermore, Episcopal conferences can establish other ecclesiastical precepts for their own territories. And so back, back in 1978, there was a document called Sharing the Light of Faith, and the, U, the, the U.S. Um, Conference of Catholic Bishops, they got together and put together seven precepts. So that's the seven streams that I mentioned there first. So, from so the five, I was kind of right when I said five or six, right? <laughs> right. So five, and it's basically they just kind of reworded them. And uh, so those are the local precepts that, that the bishops have set to kind of govern the life of the faithful, which really are, again, the five summarized, but they've extended them to some degree. So... So church precept number one, it's to keep holy the, the day of the Lord's resurrection, to worship God by participating in Mass every Sunday and Holy Day of Obligation. Number two, to lead a sacramental life. That means to receive Holy Communion frequently and the sacrament of penance regularly. Three, to do penance, including abstaining from meat and fasting from food on the appointed days. Four, to observe the marriage laws of the church. Five, to strengthen and support the church, one's own parish community, parish priest, the worldwide church, and the Holy Father. Six, to study Catholic teaching in preparation for the sacrament of confirmation, to be confirmed, and then to continue to study and advance the cause of Christ. And seven, to join in the missionary spirit and apostolate of the church. So again... Seven Precepts of the Church. That's yes. Sean Miller. He is the Director of Religious Education at Immaculate Heart of Mary in New Melly. And you're listening to St. Joseph Radio, coming to you live from the Rome of the West. And my name is Matt Logman. And these are the precepts. I understand all those and why they're needed, though. But I'm not quite sure 
why the minimum? You know, they have a minimum established. Yeah. That that kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah, well, it's like anything else. When someone joins a society or any kind of group or club or whatnot, you got to say, you know, what what what's the bare thing I have to do? It's like raising kids, right? What do I got to do to make sure that you're satisfied with my life? Now, you know, we all know that we want to try and raise kids to a maximum life, you know, to say, all right, it's just not just doing these rules, but try and look beyond and to serve, you know. But this is the life to say, if I enter in this, I got to say, can I commit to these basic things? So it's a good kind of a starting point. But again, the church emphasized that this is the minimum, but it strives us to do what? I mean, all of us are called to be saints, to take these to their max. So not just, for instance, precept one, Sunday Mass and Holy Days, um, the church says, okay, you know, while you're uh, obligated to go to these, you know, why not shoot for more? You know, why not shoot for daily Mass on occasion? Uh, while you're minimally obligated to receive the sacrament of confession once a year, why not go more frequently? Because, you know, I think anybody that tries to life, you know, live a life of holiness are, are going to know that there's much more that they can do. Just like anybody that's in the Olympics right now, right? You know, <laughs> they're not going to do the minimum, and you know, to compete. True. They're, they're right. going to strive to be the best version of themselves to compete at the highest levels of their game. But at least they got a starting point to say, you want to play golf? You want to throw the javelin? You want to do whatever? Here's the basic things you got to know to do just to be able to do it. But go crazy, folks. Sure, yeah. A lot of people will, will take the minimalist way of, well, if this is the minimum, once they get into it, you know, the Father will meet them where they're at. And it is our hope then that the Holy Spirit will light that fire and that they will grow to be that evangelist and that person who's the light of the world without yeah. the bushel basket over yeah. their head. Yeah. Well, I mean, welcome to human life. I mean, all of us have a call in, in anything that we do. He said, you guys do the bare, bare bones, <laughs> whether you work, whether you play. We got this thing at home that says work hard, play hard, pray hard. And it's like, you know, we can just get by and, and do the basics or we can try and say, I'm going to put a little more of, of my life in this. And But again, at least we got something to fall back on. It's kind of like any kind of a basic law. You know, it's got to say, OK, here's the bare bones. So just to kind of review these things again. Um, Sunday Mass and Holy Days, tithe to God in various ways, renew your life in sacramental grace, evangelize, make the world a holy place, abstain and do penance, especially Fridays, marriage laws protect vows, God's way, and then study, know the faith, defend the faith, share the faith, study. That's a big one. Yeah, so let's start out with the first church precept here. And uh, this is the biggie. It's really the most important one. Uh, to keep holy the day of the Lord's resurrection, to worship God by participating in Mass every Sunday and Holy Day of Obligation. You make a covenant with God through baptism, through the profession of faith. This is what you do. You know, Christ rose from the dead. We got to get out of bed. Uh, we had a billboard here one time that says, time to get off the perch and get back to church. You know, uh, Jesus wept as I overslept. we got to quit worshiping at the St. Mattress of the Springs. Those are all kind of little anecdotes to say, look, this is what the Lord died to give us. This is salvation applied. This is what he said to do. This is how he communicates the cure from the cross. This is the medicine of immortality. If you shank the mass, I mean, you really are rejecting the core uh, gift that the Lord died to give us. So... If anybody gets a chance, if you've uh, heard of Matthew Kelly, he wrote a book called Rediscovering Catholicism. In the beginning of it, the introduction, he has a, a great story to kind of highlight the gift. It, he, he has a video on it called Epidemic, and you can find that if you look online and look at this Decision Point uh, Catholicism or series for confirmation. But a great story about, you know, 
basically worldwide scourge. They're looking for pure blood. Here's this father's son. He's the one. They, they create the antidote, and then he saves the world. And then when they go the next week to celebrate the son's life, uh, nobody shows up. And it's kind of a little an analogy of how we're really treating what the Lord did on the cross. So, um, you know, you think about this. If a friend threw himself on a grenade for us to save our life, and his dying wish was, remember me each Sunday, we would do it. Well, before he died, Christ said, remember me. And this is like a living participation uh, in his life. So again, this is what Jesus died to give us. Um, this is what people historically have died to live and, and you know celebrate. You think about all the martyrs of the church who gave their life because they said that they couldn't live without the Eucharist. I mean, Pope Benedict wrote a document called the Eucharist Sacrament of Charity, and he talks about these martyrs in the fourth century when it was forbidden to worship. And they said, and these and these martyrs in North Africa felt bound to celebrate the Lord's Day, and and they were killed. They defied the prohibition. This is we cannot live without the Eucharist. And yet today, it's like, well, whatever, you know, I got a soccer game, I overslept, whatever. So, the priest that I work with, Father Tom, he he, uh, years ago, he's he wrote like these ten, uh, basically, if there's ten things you do as a Catholic. Here's the list, you know, so I've milked this quite a few years about, you know, just letting people know this is a good little, little thing here. So he said, if there's only one thing you do as a Catholic, only one thing, it's go to mass every Sunday and, and Holy Day, you know, so you got to think about this. And this is what I ask people at RCA. If you can't do this, then you really shouldn't, you know, be a member because it's like, uh, you know, just, just put it in secular terms. Imagine saying to your employer, Hey, uh, you know, sorry, I didn't show up today or yesterday or the day before, but you know, I got to be me. I, I didn't really feel like coming in. Imagine saying to the police officer, you know, Hey, I'm sorry. I was doing 85. I didn't really feel like doing, doing the speed limit. You know, the wind was behind yeah. my back. You know? Right. <laughs> sorry, honey. I haven't showed up for the last four days, but you know, I needed some me time. So with you and the kids, you know, it's, it's, it's just about me. So, so again, every Sunday is a holy day in the church. It's a little Easter. Okay. And so then you have these other days of obligation, January 1st, August 15th, November 1st, December 8th, December 25th. But, um, you know, we, we got to really say this is it. You know, there was a question. Someone says, uh, does your husband attend, attend church regularly? Oh, yes. He hasn't missed Easter or Christmas since we were married. You know, it's like there's a lot of um, C&E Catholics, as we say. But really the challenge is if you've drifted away, let's get back to this. I mean, you know, for us, Sunday is the fulfillment of the Sabbath day. We know that's the third commandment, right? It fulfills the spiritual truth of the Jewish Sabbath. And you see right from the beginning, from the time Jesus said, do this, in the book of Acts, they devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. On the first day of the week, they were gathered. You got this great line in Hebrews which says, let's hold fast the confession of our hope and consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So it's like if I can't get out of bed and make this part of my life. Now, again, there is legitimate reasons why someone could potentially miss mass, right? Illness, care of the sick, you know, something like that. Okay, if there's a serious reason, um, and the catechism lists those, which maybe we'll have time to cover some of those in a second here. It says illness, the care of inf infants are, are dispensed by their own pastor for some serious reason. But, but you know, to just to willfully shank it, uh, 
it's really kind of sad. So again, one of the things too is that while we're obliged to attend mass, we're not obliged to receive holy communion. You know, the church gives another precept, which we'll speak about, about receiving holy communion. But at the end of the day, you, you still got to say, "I'm I'm showing up," and good times and the bad. You know, sometimes maybe not in sickness, but in health. Now, granted, this COVID year has been kind of a nightmare because, you know, the bishop said you're dispensed because of health reasons and whatnot. And, you know, we're still trying to work that all out. And, 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 uh, but kind of uh, as part two, well, you know, one, one of the things that in the bishop's precept, they, they didn't in- include the second half of the part, which is from the catechism, which is basically, um, you know, trying to resting from those works and activities that would impede the sanctification of the Lord's day. Now we forget that really there is a command to keep the Sabbath rest, you know, and Sunday is not meant to be another just, you know, Saturday part two, uh, another part of quote, the weekend. There's a great line in the catechism. So really, um, if you want to read about the third commandment, catechism 2168, 2195, there's this line in, in number 2172, it says that, you know, God's action in creation, you know, with the six days and the seventh day of rest, that's a model for us. It brings everyday work to a halt and provides a respite. And it says this, it's a day of protest against the servitude of work and the worship of money. Because we all know when we're up against the first commandment, you should not have false gods before me. What are the false gods of the day? You know, materialism, right? Money, sex, power, they've always been the, the three classics, but it's like money is usually at the height of everybody. What if somebody has to mow their grass? Is that considered working on the Sabbath? <laughs> well, that's a good question because is mowing grass a, uh, You're not a, getting a, money for it. a true work for you or is it something that uh, you actually enjoy? So the, the church doesn't really designate what – they don't define servile work or, or work that, that you know would, would impede rest. But you really got to ask yourself, you know, am I using this as just another work day? Or am I truly resting? You know, some people might like to go out and pull weeds as a, as, a, as a means of meditation. That's up to them. But I mean, I always I've had this debate with my kids about once a month about like, all right, it's Sunday, it's a day of the Lord, it's a day of rest. Are you going to go out and cause others to work? You know, now there's some businesses that have to be open. I think you know. For the sake of the common good, you think about hospitals. Maybe you can think about gas stations or comes some kind of service things like that. I don't know. But if you're just doing a lot of unnecessary shopping, you know, or just using it for more materialism and whatnot, not only are you kind of you know you know going against and this thing about protest against money and worship money, but you're also causing others to work. Like there's this lady at work. Um, she said that when she was young. There was a Jewish family next door, and on Saturdays, they would have her come over to work because they that was their rest. But I said, any kind of interesting, the Christian girl is working, but they want to keep their Sabbath, but they're causing someone else to work. So is it consistent? It's the precepts of the church. That's Sean Miller, who was the director of religious education at Immaculate Heart of Mary in New Melly. And we have a bunch of these to get through, folks. And you can always call us after the program. And that is 636-447-6000. And we will send you a free copy of this program if you pay for the postage. Best deal in time, my friends. My name is Matt Logman, and we'll be right back with the rest of these precepts and help us to be better Catholics all around. Because isn't that what it's all about, my friends? You can look at the economics of it because you get out of it what you put into it. That's tenfold. And I think you can put a lot more in. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents. 
Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution, offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable. Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. And we are back live from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents. My name is Matt Logman in studio today with Sean Mueller, DRE, Director of Religious Education at Immaculate Heart of Mary in New Melly, talking about the precepts of the church. And I think we'll all benefit as we continue. Yeah, so again, you know, Sunday Mass and Holy Days, tie it to God in various ways, renew your life in sacramental grace, evangelize, make the world a holy place. Marriage laws protect vows, God's way, and also Sunday or uh, study. You sound like Dr. Seuss rhyming all those. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> okay, d- d- yeah, I guess I, I said them all there. So, anyways, uh, going back to where we're at. So I said it's difficult. I challenged my kids to say, "Are you causing others to work?" Because really, um, you know, it says in Catechism 2187, sanctifying Sundays and holy days requires a common effort. Every Christian should avoid making unnecessary demands on others that would hinder them from observing the Lord's Day. And it's really great. It goes on to say that Christians should seek recognition, recognition of Sundays and the church's holy days as legal holidays. So it wasn't that far long ago when we all know that Sundays were like the day. Things were closed. Now it's like it's always, as one store has as their motto. So I've always wanted to do this. And if there's anybody that's hearing this, whether you're Catholic or Christian, consider getting your pastor or your priest to use the week of prayer for Christian unity, which is usually January 18th to 25th. What if they united and say, hey, everybody, let's get back to making Sundays holy again, make them great again, make them sacred again? What if we all did these things to try and observe this is the day of the Lord? You know, some businesses are still closed on Sundays, you know, but they're few. Hats off to them. You know, there's a there's a website called closedonsunday.com where they're trying to get, you know, companies to get together to unite. Um but I think it's it's beneficial. I mean, my kids happen to work at a place that they're closed on Sunday, which which is beautiful because again, it kind of protects 
the family day. You know, if you think about this, when someone thinks about Sunday, you know, your average, let's say your average guy, what does he think about? Football. Football, right? Now, it's interesting. Uh, there was a movie years ago called Concussion where there was a doctor who did some research about former NFL players who may have had some, you know, after effects of all these years of football. So he's trying to make the case. There's a scene where he's meeting with the NFL lawyers, and they're like saying, don't do this, don't go forth, you know, this is going to cause some damage to the NFL, whatever. And uh, this guy, the doctor can't understand this guy's logic, you know, but the, but the, the doctor is then told of the influence and power of the NFL and, and what it's made on society. And, and this guy said this. He says, the NFL owns a day of the week, the same day the church used to own. Now it's theirs. I'm like, wow, that's an interesting comment. And, you know, uh, if you think back to, like, Scripture, if you if you know any of the Old Testament, the prophets were always up against the priests and prophets of Baal, B-A-A-L, which basically were kind of like gods of fertility, gods of weather, gods of whatever. And then people would kind of fall into the trap of these, of these gods. And now I look at it as, like, the god of B-A-L-L. You know, Baal versus Ball, because look at all the ball games that have kind of replaced things. Not saying sports in and of themselves are bad. I'm not making that kind of case. But look at how it's like that's what everybody looks forward to on the Sunday is, is the ball game. So years ago, one of the popes said, the struggle between faith and unbelief will depend to a great extent on the use made of Sunday. Isn't that an amazing comment? Well, I guess you could have the argument that it's a game. And they're not really breaking. They're just playing a game. If they would do it for free, then they could get away with it. You know? <laughs> well, it's interesting when you think about like you know the first commandment and worship, right? It's worship. What do you see as worthy? You know, even like cult. You know, what you worship, culture. So think about the words. You know, worship and culture. And what do we put it as a primacy? Like one of the things we're doing at, at, at church at, at, uh, at the place where I work is that we're going to really try and make Sunday the day of the Lord. So we're having our, our parish religious education program on Sunday. We're going to have adult formation on Wait Sunday Wait a minute. Mornings. You're working on Sunday? Well, again, there's an exception to the rule here when you think about it because we're trying to promote the priority. Right. So the goal is to try and get everybody to say, we're going to sanctify this day. Like my dad used to say years ago, he was like, all right, if we're all supposed to rest on Sunday. What about all the priests? They're all working on Sunday. I'm like, Dad, you got to put it in context. I mean, come on, let's get real here, you know? So it's like when it's a true service for the good of the faithful, like any doctor or nurse or whatnot. So in terms of like catechists and, and uh, priests and deacons or whatnot, we're going to strive to make Sundays holy again by by saying, by putting a priority on, on the Sunday. Um, and so I was in a recent conversation with somebody. We were talking about mass attendance, and I said, do you know what the percentage of people who go to weekly Sunday Mass is in the Diocese of St. Louis? If you got to take a guess, what do you think it would be? Uh, 23. Close. 28%. At least that was what it was in 2016. Now, that's kind of high of the national average. Now, you think about that. Because it's St. Louis. <laughs> that means 7 out of 10 are refusing to put first what they are supposed to in faith. And look at what that does then to, if you kind of get that priority and that order wrong, then you truly are disordered, you know, in your life. So the Hmm. church makes it clear on Sundays and the holy days of obligation, you know, and we all know that the precept is also fulfilled by attending the vigil mass the night before, but that these, this is the day of, of the Lord. Now, I was very surprised to read this years ago. Archbishop Carlson, he had a, he had a column in the St. Louis review 
And I just think this is, I always bring this up because this is a real shepherd challenging the flock. He said, I'm not going to sugarcoat the truth. Too many Catholics ignore their solemn obligation to attend Mass every Sunday. Parents who fail to bring their children to Mass on the Lord's Day sin twice by failing in their Sunday obligation and by being a source of scandal for their children. He said it's a serious problem. Sunday Mass is not optional. It's an essential requirement for all of us. And unless we have a serious reason, there is simply no excuse for missing Mass on the Lord's Day. If through your own fault you miss Mass on Sunday, you're committing a serious sin. You should not receive Holy Communion until you have gone to confession. If we fail to worship God on the Lord's Day, we portray our baptismal promises. Too many of us are letting the precious gift of faith slip through our fingers by our lazy and sinful ways, missing Mass regularly and excusing ourselves for reasons that are unworthy of faithful disciples of the Lord. Wake up, brothers and sisters. Our salvation is at stake, and the evil one is only too happy to entice us down a path that leads to hell. So I'm like, wow, you don't hear that that often. Because, and we need to more often. We really do. Well, like I said before, in family life and church life, the, the theme song should be I'm walking on eggshells instead of walking on sunshine because everybody seems to be looking for a reason to be offended and say, how dare you? And I'm gone. It's like, well, is this relationship that I got to worry about what I say from the pulpit or in my words to say that I'm done with you? You know, but that's kind of where we're at in society. And that's why we've got these splits of, of so many groups. But you're like, okay. You signed up for this. This is the laws that you profess. You can't be, uh, you know, if the Lord holds us against you when you go to meeting face to face, you know, it's like, well, this is kind of the covenant. And that's, again, is it that big of a deal to put a priority on this hour of worship to the Lord's Day on, on Sundays? Yes. It is. So kind of part two, it says, again, like I said, by resting from those works and activities which could impede such a sanctification of these days. So it says... They are to abstain from those works and affairs which hinder the worship to be rendered to God, the joy proper to the Lord's day, or the suitable relaxation of mind, re- relaxation of mind and body. So, if you come to work on Monday and you're stressed out from the weekend it, because you didn't rest on Sunday, so again, we made this sign that says, "Make Sundays great again." Pray, play, read, rest. So, Archbishop Carlson he continued. He says, "While we're at it, we should also talk about unnecessary work on Sunday." Our contemporary culture makes Sunday a part of, quote, the weekend with virtually no special significance. Now, most retail businesses are open on Sunday, and as a result, many people have to work on the Lord's Day. This has had a profound impact on family life. It's hard enough these days to gather the family together for meals and for family time. Now, even Sunday dinner is disappearing as an anchor for family life. I mean, think about it. You know, growing up, too, many people, they said Sunday dinner is what we did. That's kind of who we are. Uh, and and again, that slips. It's no wonder that it's kind of been slipped in the culture with mass, too. But I got three teenagers. I know it's difficult, you know, but I'm like trying to say, hey, let's do this on Sunday as best as we can. Uh, we recently had on our billboard at work this quote from Ronald Reagan. He said, all great change in America begins at the dinner table. That's a great line to think about just for general well-being of society that's where parents have to do their job yeah and it's a struggle i get it it's it's difficult but it's something that we got to kind of fight for now praise god over the years we've had some good examples of people really standing up for sunday not working i mean even think about like uh in the olympics eric liddell you might have heard of his story where he was running for england uh, they made a movie about him called chariots of fire he was chosen to run on on a sunday or do some practice meet and in in his in his take because he was he was not catholic he was a evangelical christian back in the day but he took it seriously that he would never even practice or run on sunday so then in the in the meet for the olympics he refused to actually do do the run 
You know, now another person, Sandy Koufax, you know, pitched for the Dodgers. He was Jewish, and I think he had a pitch in a World Series game on the Feast of Yom Kippur. Mm. And he said, no, you know, a World Series later. They know their priorities, though. That's beautiful. Yeah. So you think about those and those aren't Catholics. Now, what what are we willing to do to kind of stand up for Sundays? You know, again, it's uh, it can be difficult, but it's like, let's let's do this. So. Consider avoiding unnecessary shopping. Consider making sure that everything is a priority to put that thing Sunday first and then and then to learn how to kind of rest. So um, one last call for priests and pastors. Maybe consider the week of uh, prayer for Christian unity, something that we can do to really help make Sundays holy again. Okay, so there's S. That's one. We're not going to make it through all uh, seven of these, but I do want to get through at least one more here. So... It follows from the first one, church precept number two. It's to lead a sacramental life, to receive Holy Communion frequently and the sacrament of penance regularly. It doesn't necessarily specify what that looks like. It's got some core precepts. that Basically, we're obliged, while we're obliged to attend Mass every Sunday and Holy Day, we're only obliged to receive the Holy Eucharist once a year, minimally. Because again, to receive the Eucharist, you have to be in a state of grace. You know, because that's that's a deeper union than just a friendship, right? It's like we've always used in the church this analogy of the marital embrace is kind of a sign of what Jesus does for us in the Eucharist. That's a unique, special relationship in the one body, one flesh union. And so, you know, that person has to be prepared for that. And if they're not in a state of grace, well, they're still obliged to kind of keep their relationship alive, you know, by attending Mass. You know, they're not obliged to receive that except at least minimally once a year. So the church asks that we receive the sacrament of confession once a year, but obviously that's minimal, right? So at least once a time for each. But of course, the church encourages us to receive the Eucharist every week, even daily, in a state of grace. So help us God sinners that we are. But it's, if we've done something that's kind of cut us off in a grave sin, we need to go to the sacrament of penance. Um, Going back to what Archbishop Carlson said, you know, he kind of, when he was given a, um, a, uh, an address on the sacrament of penance, he said that, you know, you should at least maybe look at it like every time you change your oil, <laughs> you know, uh, is that a time to maybe get your uh, the, the Holy Spirit kind of working and kind of changing Three your months or 3,000 miles. <laughs> right. Of course, nowadays with synthetic oil. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know. Synthetic oil is causing the downfall of mankind. That's what. <laughs> but anyway, so... Uh, you know, really, if you look at some of the basic exhortations of the church's life, you know, receiving the sacrament of penance monthly is a is a beautiful goal. So, but renew your life in sacramental grace. That's that's kind of the memory aid term cadence I've used. So you think about what it is. Whenever we receive the living God in the Eucharist, we are getting new life, new love, new power. You know, more energy to love. I mean, Christ says, behold, I make all things new. You're a new creation. So you think about the soul that's been dead in sin coming to the sacrament of reconciliation. They, they are alive. I mean, that's like a resurrection. And then you get a you get access to the resurrected Lord. Now you think about like John chapter six and these texts about the Eucharist. This is the living bread, everlasting life. This is what makes us alive. You know, this is what, again, the Lord died to give us. So to receive that is is a beautiful thing. The canon law says specifically, a member of the Christian faithful is obliged in terms of 
the sacrament of confession, to confess in kind and number all grave sins committed after baptism and not yet remitted directly through the keys of the church, nor acknowledge an individual confession of which a person has knowledge after diligent examination of conscience. So it's good for us to say, all right, if I am going to receive this medicine of immortality, this amazing gift, I got to somehow get my soul in order to receive it, right? Um, and so it's good to do an examination of conscience frequently and to uh, kind of get ourselves our souls readily. So in terms of the sacrament of the Eucharist, it spells it out minimally to receive Holy Communion at least once a year between Ash Wednesday, that's Lent, and Trinity Sunday, the ninth Sunday after Easter. Kind of, so kind of like the Lent, Easter time is the time of this is the great act of redemption. This is when the Lord gave us at the culmination of his life this wonderful gift. And so uh, we receive the Eucharist at least once a year. For the reception of the sacrament of penance, minimally to receive the sacrament at least once a year. Annual confession is obligatory if serious sin is involved and as needed if in serious sin or for devotional growth in spiritual life. Yes. So like they say, uh, you want to grow? <laughs> then... You need to practice. <laughs> That's the same with any job or sport, right? You need right. to practice. Yeah. I mean, really all we can expect from the church, Sean, at least in my mind, is that peace that you cannot explain, and the joy that only comes from God. Yeah. Now, by doing these minimal things, you might you might be able to catch a glimpse of it. But to be able to embrace it, that's going to take, you know, your effort to to be drawn closer. You you know, it's you can't wait for him to draw you. Yeah. You need to head towards him. Yeah. You know, so that that is what I think everyone should strive for. You can you can find that peace and that joy. Yeah. Well, like you think about driving, if if someone drives you, you want them to be able to see, right? Otherwise, it's going to be a bad collision. And in the spiritual life, you want to drive, you want to be able to see. And these things help us to see. I mean, you ask anybody that's lived a life of faith, they know that when you receive the sacrament of reconciliation, it takes the dust and the dirt off of the eyes of the soul. Now, we're all inclined towards sin and evil and selfishness and whatnot, but I mean, this is why the Lord gives us the sacramental grace. It's power, it's light, it's life, it's goodness. So when you are really preparing yourself, when your soul is disposed to receive Holy Communion, it's going to give you a power to see and to act that you wouldn't have apart from that sacramental grace. The grace, yeah, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, yeah. counsel, knowledge, wisdom. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, and we are coming to you live from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. My name's Matt Logman in studio today with Sean Mueller. Director of Religious Education at Immaculate Heart of Mary in New Melly, and he is discussing the precepts of the Catholic Church. So I mentioned along with these precepts that the priest that I work with, he uh, gave a list uh, a few years back about the kind of the top ten things to do as a Catholic. So number one, if there's only one thing you do, go to Mass every Sunday and Holy Days. Number two, he said, if there's only two things that you do, go to Mass every Sunday and Holy Day, and then make more frequent confessions. And he says at least quarterly. So it's great. Um, you know, I put together some time ago this chart of like all the parishes where, I, where, where I, I work at. Let's say there's about 10 parishes within 15 minutes from that. And you might do this in your own self, wherever you're at. And I kind of did a chart about, okay, here's the parish. Here's the times they offer confession and on what days. And basically, I discovered that there are times for the sacrament of confession every day of the week that you can go to. You know, so I think that's something to say, ah, my, my church only has it on Saturdays from 3 o'clock to 3.45, you know, and how do I get there and whatever? And I don't really know, but it's like, come on, let's make the effort. 
if this is really a cleansing of the soul, a resurrection from the dead, then, you know, what's the deal? The same priest that's got the power to consecrate the living Eucharist can has the same gift to absolve and wash your soul from, from the stain of sin. And I'm like, rather face it now through the mediation of one of Christ's priests than meet the Lord face to face and have it to be just faced in, in all its ugliness. So anyways, uh, it's, it's great to kind of just look at a chart there. And just to see all the times that you can go. It's a shame that really the sacrament of confession is one of the least appreciated sacraments, and yet it's one of the most beautiful. Um, you know, there's a sheet I've got here called 10 Reasons Answering Why Go to Confession. And um, number one, it says the presence of sin can easily lead to depression and anxiety. You think about that, just how it impacts your own human nature. It says uh, you shower to show respect for those around you. Cleansing your soul makes you better to be around, too. <laughs> Lastly, it says, don't be scared to death of confession. Be scared of death without it. So what a gift. So we got these two main sacraments. And I hope people will be challenged and say, yeah, I got to try and do my best um, to prepare my soul to receive the living God and to not take this grace for granted. You know, I mentioned that story in Matthew Kelly's book in the beginning where, you know, people lack appreciation. And uh, it is easy to lose some of our first love and and you know, some of that joy that we had in receiving the Lord. Think about First Communion. You know, you got dressed up and, you know, <laughs> we always have a funny story at our own house. Like my daughter was kind of fit to be tied. She was getting her all her veil and the dress and the shoes and this and that. All this prep externally, what matters important is internally. But think about this. How can we do better to not, you know, take these gifts for granted? So... Sunday Mass and Holy Days, Renew Your Life in Sacramental Grace. Maybe we can just kind of touch on the third one here before we have to conclude. Well, especially those first two, for parents, they are responsible for them children. Yeah. That, you know, they, they should be shaking in their shoes if they're falling apart on that one. And they need the church all the more to help them because they need to help their kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about it as a parent, like uh, – so we all try to form our kids to be virtuous, right? You know, you want your kid to be not envy, greed, gluttony, sloth, lust, anger, pride, but full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. These, oh, you're good. These fruits of the Spirit, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, that that is a virtue-driven life. Now, do you think they're going to do it solely through your nice, gentle instruction, or do you got to put them in contact with the living God? You know, I mean, if I am, am hungry, I got to fill it with food. But if my soul is empty, I got to fill it with grace and life and love. So, so what's the deal with not saying, yeah, I'm going to bring them to not just the soccer camp, but to church Jesus here and say, fill my child with these gifts. And especially when it comes to the sacrament of reconciliation, like, wow, if I have my child examine his life on a regular basis of the sins and the selfishness that he's absorbed in, if I get him to confess, you know, <laughs> lies and <laughs> whatever he does, you don't think it's going to help him grow in virtue and it's going to make your job somewhat uh, easier as a parent? Because you think of the end goal of parenting, right? You know, when your child is, is so-called mature, just pick an age, 18, what, what do you want that child to look like? Now, granted, it's still a crapshoot to some degree because you, there's no formula for holiness for any of us, right? You can All you can do is put them in the stream of grace. And so, but at least you know you've got a better chance. You know you do if they're in the stream of grace and they're in contact with the living God. It doesn't guarantee that they're going to respond because free all of will our, all is of a our powerful souls, thing. The right? sun that melts the wax hardens the clay, they might turn and it might be a long time. It might be a deathbed conversion. I don't know. Right. 
but at least you know that you've done your job to say, all right, Lord, these kids came through me, but they're not, you know, from me. They're they're your kids. And the best that I can do is to do my role as a parent. And what you've asked me to do is to put them in the stream. Amen. So that's what I want to do is say, put them in the stream. But you got to kind of, you know, Christ came down to us. We got to go back to him. So here's where he's localized. We said in the beginning, these fonts, right? It's in the word of God. It's in the, the liturgy of the church. And then again, it's, it's also in these commandments, these moral obligations, natural law and supernatural law. And one of these is the ecclesiastical law, which is uh, the church precepts. So you all know everybody's got this, you know, like um, there's this other memory that I came up with called defense. You know, it's divine law, family law, eternal law, uh, natural law, church law, and uh, I forget the last one I'll pay but anyways, uh, but, but these are all laws meant to guide and safeguard and to protect. You know, why do we have laws? Just to kind of restrict freedom? No, it's really ultimately to guide us we put need us on the path. It's like bowling with bumpers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, uh, it's funny. I was talking to this guy yesterday, and he helped me, uh, gave me the stuff to build a chain link fence around my house. And, uh, and it was because I had little ones, and we lived right by this well-traveled road where they're going 50 and 60, boom, boom, boom. And I had a lot of roadkill animals growing up. And uh, I, I was like, oh, Lord, help my, you know, not my kids to get on the road. So right away I said I had to put up a fence. Now, the kids, once I got the fence up, they were truly free to play, free. The fence was not just a barrier, but it was a safeguard so that they wouldn't get hit. Because guess what? If you get run over, you're no longer free to play. And it was a lot of joy for me, too. So, again, that's what laws are. That's what precepts are. That's what rules are. It's a boundary line to protect us from falling over the cliff or, or, or to get um, run over. So, so we call them father, right? Yeah. <laughs> they have our concerns. Yeah. So um, I'll just mention this last one. We can get into it next time we get get together. Church we got precepts. about 10 seconds. Oh, really? That's it? Okay. Well, I'll just say well, you can to, mention it. to do penance. Do repent. There's a mind. teaser. Repent. That's what we call that. You the know, the repent means literally change your way of thinking. And this is what really this call is. We've got to change our way of thinking. Get a priority there. You know, we think of repentance as behavior, but it really starts here in the mind. So, Amen, brother. Until we meet again. Sean, I appreciate your time and your expertise here. Director of Religious Education at Sacred Heart. Immaculate, Immaculate <laughs> Heart. Thank you. Of Mary in New Melly. And this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, reminding you, you can get a copy of this program if you just pay for the postage. And it looks like it's going to be possibly three programs, but so what, for three stamps? We'll make you're going to have all this great entertainment and, and religious education coming from a guy who knows what he's talking about, Maybe. and that is Sean <laughs> Mueller. All right, my friends, we'll be back soon again next week. Until then, may God shine upon you, bless you, and keep you. This is St. Joseph Radio presents Amen. you've been listening to saint joseph radio presents from the rome of the west st louis missouri if you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website saintjosephradio.net that's s-a-i-n-t josephradio.net or call us 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.